Our Father, we thank you for bringing us back from our different endeavors today. We thank you for the food, the wisdom to interact with men, and the grace you gave to us to walk through all our duties. We want to pray, Father, as we, re- as we have gathered here, that you please help us to hang our hope in your second coming now, Lord. Help us to have reasons to trust in you more. If there is anything, anything that we have done that is not in line with your word or that will not enable us to be in your kingdom, I pray you teach us by these words. Assist us and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Maranatha, October 8 The Second Coming of Christ Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Psalm chapter 50 verse 3 and 4 Soon our eyes were drawn to the east, for a small black cloud had appeared about half as large as a man's hand, which we all knew was the sign of the Son of Man. We all in solemn silence gazed on the cloud as it drew nearer and became lighter, glorious and still more glorious till it was a great white cloud. The bottom appeared like fire. A rainbow was over the cloud, while around it were ten thousand angels singing a most lovely song, and upon it sat the Son of Man. When it first appeared in the distance, this cloud looked very small. The angel said that it was the sign of the Son of Man. As it drew nearer the earth, we could behold the excellent glory and majesty of Jesus as he rode forth to conquer. His hair was white and curly and lay on his shoulders, and upon his head were many crowns. His feet had the appearance of fire. In his right hand was a sharp sickle. In his left a silver trumpet. His eyes were as a flame of fire which searched his children through and through. Then all faces gathered paleness, and those that God had rejected gathered blackness. Then we all cried out, Who shall be able to stand? Is my robe spotless? Then the angels ceased to sing, and there was some time of awful silence when Jesus spoke. Those who have clean hands and pure hearts shall be able to stand. My grace is sufficient for you. At this, our faces lighted up, and joy filled every heart. And the angel struck a note higher and sank again, while the cloud drew still nearer the earth. The earth trembled before him. The heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, 
and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every born man and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Amen. This devotion is a graphic description of what the second coming of Jesus Christ will be like. It is giving us subject matter to imagine, to help our minds so that perhaps by imagination it can motivate us so that when we in our imagination see what this day is like, it may make us, perhaps just make us to consider the kind of life we live now and ask ourselves when this day will finally come to pass where will i be am i going to be among those who are rejected by god whose face will gather blackness or am i going to be among those who have accepted christ and who have lived their life for him who it will be who will say this is our lord we have waited for him those who have clean hands and pure hearts, those who will be able to stand, who Christ will tell, my grace is sufficient for you. So, I, skipping the, the the graphic description of what Jesus will look like, I think what should most absorb the mind are two things. Firstly, the reality that one day Christ will certainly come. Of course, we've never seen him come the way he's going to come before, so... I cannot say I've seen him come before, like the way he did, he's going to come the second time. Because the way he came the first time was like a baby and then he was, he grew up. But this time he's coming in his glory. I've not seen it happen before. But why do I believe it will happen? Because the other prophecies he gave that he said will be signs for his second coming, I can see them happening at the time he said it will happen. So we can't expect Jesus to come down and say, oh, where is the promise of his coming? You shouldn't ask that question. Why? Because everything happens in their order. At its time, it will happen. It is time for the signs to be fulfilled, like the earthquakes and the wars and rumors of wars and the famine and pestilences like we are in a mild one now, coronavirus. There have been greater pestilences than coronavirus. There have, and then earthquakes, great and small, has been happening, but their frequency have increased very greatly. And how about the natural disasters? So those ones, every time we hear about them, whether it is mudslides, whether it is uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, cyclones, floods, they have increased. And no one can deny the fact that some 200 years ago, it was not this frequent. But the word of God is being fulfilled now when Jesus said there will be earthquakes in diverse places. And you can just go and Google it, browse it, and you'll find out that perhaps even today, even though I have not checked, I expect that the amount of earthquakes and tremors that have happened today will be nothing less than 40, which it was not so before. So the reason I'm saying all this is, if anyone is doubting that the second coming of Christ will happen, think again, it will surely happen. Because the other prophecies he said will happen, is happening. So it only follows that his second coming will certainly happen. But that day is going to be a day of joy. A day of joy for those who have stood stiffly for Jesus. If you are not standing stiffly for Jesus, then that day is going to be a day of blackness for you. In the book of Amos 5, I think reading from verse 20, the Bible says, 
Woe to them that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? It says the day of the Lord is darkness. Let me just get it out. Okay, it's actually starting from verse 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark, and no brightness in it? So, this is for those who are not keeping the commandments of God because in verse 21 he says, I hate, I despise your feasts days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vows. Now why did Jesus reject all this? Verse 24. But let judgment run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. So these people were not practicing righteousness, but will come to God's presence and will want to give him gifts. And God said, take it away from me, including your songs and the music that accompanies it. Take it away. I don't want to hear it because you are not keeping my commandments because that is the commandments that shows us what righteousness is. So that is one thing that should absorb our mind. The reality that Christ is certainly coming one day. And the second thing that should absorb our mind is, where will I be? Will I be able to stand? Having said that, the day of the Lord, though is darkness for the wicked, it is light for the righteous. It is the day we look up, look forward to. And if you have given, if you have given your life to Christ, if you have kept His commandments, shown that you love Him, John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you've done that, then you should look forward to that day. Though presently in the world you may be going through troubles and pains, though you may be persecuted, you may be ridiculed, scorned, maligned though you may be cheated or pressed because you do not want to go against God's commandments you may have lost your job you may have had to endure real real hardship because you are keeping God's commandments the second coming of Jesus will banish like Raya Smith says in that song bright smiles of gladness will scatter your tears when that day comes and a coronet gleam on thy brow so look forward to that time that was what Jesus did in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verse 1, it says, Seeing that we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that ought so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised endured the cross, despise the shame and is set at the right hand of the throne of god we too like jesus can look forward to the joy that is set before us what is that joy the joy of the day that jesus christ will finally come to deliver us and relieve us from the sufferings and sorrows and pains that we are passing through in this world whether it is because we are keeping his commandments or not there are still sorrows for those who are it may not be because you are keeping god's commandments or it may not be so but we should look forward to that day and let that be in our mind and having it in mind, patiently pass through the sorrows and troubles and pains that you are going through right now. 
I've listed a good number of them. It may be your child who is wayward. It may be you have made mistakes in the past. Let it be in the past. Christ has taken it away if you ask him for forgiveness and for confess your sins and repent. Now, look forward with hope. Patiently endure whatever you have to pass through. Happily, knowing that a day is coming when all this will come to an end. May God give us the grace to patiently endure even now. Because he says, he that will endure to the end, the same shall be saved. May that be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, something else I would want to comment on is the criteria for those who shall be able to stand. By the way, just in case, everything in this devotion is lifted from the Bible. You can find it in Revelation 6. Also, the description of Jesus, you can find that in Revelation chapter 1, towards the end of it. You see that same description of Jesus having his hair like wool and uh, his eyes fl- uh, flaming fire and all, all those things in Revelation chapter 1. And then the description, the last passage that talked about the wicked and the rich men and the, and the great men and all people were afraid and all that. That's in Revelation 6. Everything is lifted from the Bible. But what I want to really talk of is that criteria. Jesus asked the question, or the people asked, who shall be able to stand? And Jesus answered, he that had clean hands and a pure heart. What does it mean to have clean hands and a pure heart? Jesus has clean hands and pure hearts. That means we must have the character of Jesus, just like his own having a clean hand and pure hearts. And that is why the commandments were given to us. We are to use it to examine our lives. When we see ourselves living contrary to something in the commandments, then we have a spot on us. We do not have clean hands. And what about the heart? That is the motives behind your action. Why do you do what you do? You must check, examine your motive. Why are you doing what you are doing? That is what it means to have a pure heart. So, I can't go into every detail of the commandment. It is too broad. You've seen in our other devotions, in our high calling, we go into detail and get really specific on certain things that many people may think are alright, but you find out that they are not alright. We talk about the, the, the entertainments we derive, the amusements, the dress, even the diet, all these things we talk about them because... It is in keeping with these things that we have clean hands and pure hearts. We need to search deeply what God requires of us so that we don't come to that time surprised and saying, Oh, I did all you asked me to do. You know, there are some people who will do that, and Christ will say to them, Away from me, you workers of iniquity. So we need to search what is iniquity. Some people today are playing with their salvation. You hear the Bible call something abomination and you tell yourself it's no longer abomination. For example, diet. For example, dress. And you say, oh, it's not an abomination. Search for yourself. What is true and what has been seen in the Old Testament, that is, what is iniquity in the Old Testament, is still iniquity today. Nothing changed when we entered into the time of Christ coming and dying on the cross. Nothing about sin and righteousness changed. In fact, Christ came and died on the cross to give us power to live in line and in keeping with his commandments. So let no one uh, dilute the power and the concentration of the commandments thinking that God is going to pacify one sin. No. God has brought ample opportunity and power to lift us up to the level of Christ. Assuming he didn't do that and then is requiring perfection from us, 
then we will say lord is it fair it's not fair but that's not what he's doing he knows that we do not have the strength on our own and he has made every provision possible the holy spirit is powerful if we will allow him come into our lives he will cause us to walk in our statutes that's what he says in the book of ezekiel reading chapter 36 from verse 25 he says he will take our heart of stone and put in it a heart of flesh that's what he said he will do he's promising to do that and he will write his commandments in our hearts he will cause us to walk in his statutes and at the end of the day we will keep his commandments that is he said he's going to do it so if he doesn't work maybe it's because i didn't allow him or certainly it's because i didn't permit him so let us search ourselves and allow christ come into our lives help us to have clean hands help us to have pure hearts so that we can be able to stand on that day amen paragraph one soon our eyes were drawn to the east for a small black cloud had appeared about half as large as a man's hand which we all knew was a sign of the son of man we all knew that it was the sign of the son of man and we also see down there in that same paragraph that the bottom of the rim of the of the white cloud appeared like fire a rainbow was over the cloud while around it were ten thousand angels singing a most lovely song and upon that cloud sat the son of man all of us recognized the white cloud as it, as it began to come for there, there is somebody important that it is carrying it is carrying someone of much importance someone who has been very close to us and someone who has been very dear someone whose voice we have always recognized someone who has purchased us so all of us will recognize him as he's coming and we recognize the cloud as his as a sign that he is the one coming the wicked do not recognize this it is the son of the the children of god that recognize this thing first as we saw in the last devotion that they are the ones that catch the first glimpse of the morning now today christ first comes to every individual as a personal savior when he comes as a personal savior, then he rules as Lord in the heart. We are told in we are told in Luke 17 that the kingdom of God comes not with outward show. The kingdom of God is within you. When Jesus comes and sets up his throne in your heart by first of all turning you away from your iniquities and giving you repentance and forgiveness of sins, he places his throne upon your heart. And that throne that he places upon your heart has a law underneath it. This is the, this is the reason why he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that place in the Bible says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And righteousness is the commandment of God. Psalm 119 verse 172 says that, And because he is now Lord, after he has performed the work of his Savior, Though he continues to be a savior forever because we'll keep seeing more of his righteous character and we'll keep growing more in him by developing, by um, copying his pattern and repenting of any way that, we, that is contrary to his own way. He remains a savior forever, but he becomes Lord at that moment. He, at that moment, he takes away the sins of your life, of your past. He becomes the Lord of your life so that he can now control your present and your future. And he directs it by the law of God. He tells us in John 14 that he that loveth me keepeth my commandments. 
or loveth my commandments also, and I will come unto him, and I will, my father and myself will make our abode in him. God does not move without his throne. When he sets his throne in your heart, the law of God is beneath his throne. It is the foundation of his throne, that law of righteousness. And it beams forth in your character. And so the kingdom of God stays down within you, the kingdom of grace, which Paul describes as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God possesses the man. Now, when Christ is coming as Lord of glory, we recognize him from afar because we have known his voice. We have known his signature. We know his touch. We know his, we know his character. His character has already been, in, been uh, planted in our heart. He has been ruling the other while. So when he now comes to rule as a king over the universe, we recognize him and we say, Lord, this is our God. We have waited for him. But what does the last paragraph say? The last paragraph says that the 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 earth uh, the earth trembled before him and heavens departed as a scroll then down there and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every born man and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. Instead of standing, instead of staying there to welcome the king as he's coming, they flee from him. Why? They have not made Christ their personal savior, number one. Number two, they have not made him Lord. He is not seated upon their hearth. He, the law of God is not implanted there. And so when he's coming to rule as king of glory, they flee from him. But there is hope for everyone who, wants, who is expecting the second coming of Christ. That hope is that you have to make him Lord of your life today. You have to make him your personal savior today. And when you do that, then you are marked for him. Then he will cleanse you. He will prepare you for that coming so that when he comes, you will recognize him. But you will not flee, but you will stand there because already the work of righteousness has been done in your heart. The Lord desires to be your Lord today. Will you allow him? Now, the, the description of the Lord being the Lord, let me tell you how he rules. I've mentioned that he rules by his law. But let me tell you how far the law goes. You see, in Psalms 45 and Psalm 72, we are told of how Christ will rule in the kingdom of glory. We are told that from sea to sea and from shore to shore, he will rule over the dominion of the whole earth. That no place will not respect him when he comes again. Now, if Christ sets up his throne upon your heart, he will have to rule from the, from the crown of your head down to the sole of your foot. Everything will be under his authority. He will take care of your nails. He will take care of your lips. He will take care of your nose. He will take care of your ears. He will take care of your hair. He will take care of your clothes. He will take care of your genitals. He will take care of your everything, your organs, internal and external. He will, because that is his rulership, he rules extensively. You don't make God your Lord. You don't make Christ your Lord and then tell him, you are going to rule only over my stomach. You don't rule over my heart. You're going to rule over my heart. You don't rule over my brain. You're going to rule over my brain. I don't, don't rule over my muscles or my, my, my skeleton. No. He will have to rule everywhere. And only as you do this, only as you allow him this, then he is now your Lord indeed. And when he comes again, you recognize him as that Lord who has been ruling over your heart. And you say, this is our Lord indeed. I have waited for him. And may the Lord help us to really today make the Lord our God and as our personal Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Another point I also love to make is the fact that brother or sister, it is, it, is, it is a very big thing to stand for Jesus. 
as my brother has spoken before that we have to have endurance patience we are told in uh, luke chapter 12 in your patience possess you your souls luke 21 sorry in your patience possess your souls and we are told in revelation 14 12 that here is the patience of the saints our cause needs patience and endurance we need it because without it we are not going to perfect christian character we need it as we are looking at how our brethren are apostatizing we need it as we see the world giving over to evil and the love of many waxing cold we need it as we see ourselves only standing in the in a community in a family in a school we need it we need patience or else our love will wax dim now why i'm mentioning this is that do you know that as you stand for jesus christ you're actually hastening his coming anytime you stand for him and all the while you're giving your life to him ensuring that he's lord over your life you are hastening his coming you are saying amen come lord jesus that prayer that john uttered in the revelation you are uttering that prayer by precept and by example and god marks it so that even if you die that prayer is lodged in heaven by your character and so he says in revelation 14 verse 13 and their works do follow them blessed are the dead that die in the lord from henceforth their works do follow them though as you stand for jesus christ he notices it he knows that you are actually saying lord i want you to come quickly you don't want him to delay any longer and if you want to do that it is to stand for jesus all the time be encouraged as you are standing for him that as you're doing that you're actually hastening his coming on your own sphere in your own sphere you are hastening his coming and all those also who are around you who do not want to make jesus their lord and personal savior those who have not given their lives to christ in beholding your righteous character in beholding what patience you have in standing for the truth their unjust acts condemn them their unjust acts your character becomes a witness to them that the lord will come and it becomes a terror to them we are told that the life of the christian is a terror to evildoers they are afraid when they see the christian stand for principles the kingdom of satan is afraid when he hears the christian pray for power and strength that is why we are told here that when it really happens that the people of the world the kings and the people who have rejected christ all the great men of earth that they are going to flee from christ they are they will start fleeing now when you stand for the principles of the gospel when you stand for righteousness as the power of christ christ flashes through your character flashes through you all the day they are behold they are they are they are going to be um they are going to be constrained to say the lord is with this person this person is a christian even when they don't confess it openly they will say it in their hearts and in, uh, secretly the spirit of God witness to them and then it will now be that which the Bible said that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto them. Then shall the end come. May the Lord help us as we stand for him so that we can be encouraged to know that we are actually hastening his coming. And we are repeating these sins every day of our lives by the wicked being condemned for they not joining Christ and you showing really the power of a savior in your life. Amen. the second coming of christ our god shall come and shall not keep silence in the book of psalms chapter 37 the bible says fret not thyself because of evil doers 
neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb trust in the lord and do good so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed delight thyself also in the lord and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart commit thy way unto the lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the noon as a light and thy judgment as the noonday rest in the lord and wait patiently for him fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass cease from anger and forsake us fret not thyself in any wise to do evil for evil doers shall be cut off but those that wait upon the lord they shall inherit the earth for yet a while and the wicked shall not be yea thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not be but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace verse 13 the lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming brothers and sisters the reading is trying to help us also from what we have read and what my brothers have said to be patient in well-doing we need to follow god's plans we need to be patient we need to understand that he is coming to take care of us take care of the things that perplex us in the book of habakkuk i remember when habakkuk asked a question in habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 habakkuk chapter 1 verses 2 and i said how long lord must i cry for help but you do not listen i call out to you violence but you do not intervene why do you force me to witness injustice why do you put up with wrongdoing? Destruction and violence confront me. Conflict is present, and one must endure strife. For this reason, the law lacks power, and justice is never carried out. Indeed, the wicked intimidate the innocent. For this reason, justice is perverted. Before I continue, I remember watching a, a, a newscast. A woman above the age of about 50 to her 60 and she was weeping why was she crying she had lost three of her children in war and her husband was also dead for three days that woman was weeping she was speaking on national news that's in somewhere in iraq she was weeping that for three days she has not eaten and she had lost her children if you were given a microphone if you were given a chance to speak to her what would you tell her is there anything you can use as a payment for her losses is there anything you can use to comfort her here in this life that can stand the pressure the shock the disappointment there is nothing in this world the best thing she can have is the hope of eternal life the best thing she can have is a, a hope that christ will make all things new even if you paid her millions of dollars that won't solve the problem she has the mark in her heart that's why habakkuk asked oh lord how long how long must i cry now in, in chapter 2 of habakkuk 
verse 1, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The faith of the coming of the Son of God. When the Son of Man come, shall he find faith? We need to have faith and hope in the Lord. Jesus will, Jesus will say that the love of many will wax cold, but he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. Yea, also, verse 5 of Habakkuk, because he transgressed by one, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as dead, and cannot be satisfied, but gathered unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Uh, uh, Habakkuk asked, How long? He said, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. How long unto him that ladeth himself with thick clay? What God is trying to present before us here is that God will, will pay back. He is the one who is going to revenge. So let us not fret ourselves from Psalms 37. We are read, let us not be agitated. See, if we are anxious, it must then be that we have lost faith in the soon coming of God of Christ. We should not lose faith. Let us leave judgment to God. Jesus himself committed himself to his father. And that was why he had peace of mind. We can't handle these issues. So I pray that as we put our faith in the coming of Christ, as we make it real to our circumstances and leave our matters in his hand, I believe that in his coming, he will, vindic he will vindicate us and his peace will return to us. May this be our experience in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the wonderful promise that you've given to us when you said that you will come again to receive us to yourself. We look forward to it, O Lord, but now is our preparation time. We ask, Lord, that you would walk with us and that you would grant to us every grace necessary. Take us through every experience needed so that we can be found without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. This same prayer we make for all who are listening to this podcast that they also shall be purified and made white and all will have clean hands by your grace. Do this, O Lord, and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Years of time have come and gone Since I first heard it told How Jesus would come again someday If back then it seemed so real Then I just can't help but
And violence fills our land Still some people doubt That he will come again But the word of God is true He redeems his chosen few Don't lose hope Soon Christ Jesus will